Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Do Like Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strongwoman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine with PaleoMom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health. Which really means I just love talking about science. News and views, where Sarah and I catch up, and you get to listen to our gossip. Good evening, Stacy. Um, what? You're not ready? You're not ready? I thought you were ready. I was, I, that's not something you've ever said before. <laughs> and I was like, where's my vampire voice? And I was just, what I was grasping for it, it and I had no response. This is how I start every show. What are you talking? I'm sure there's one other show at some point in the history of shows. Where I've started it, and I'm like doing the like. No, okay, you know what? This is this is a 180 from what people will hear. You told me you were going to start the show with before we talked on the phone. I mean, before we started the show. <laughs> I did not claim to start the show that way. I just said the song was going through my head. It was like a. It's like the mood change was such a disconnect that I. I just. I couldn't. I just. I. It was bouncing around in my brain, and I had nothing for you. No, all it is is happy brain. That's all it is. And it's just, it's channeled in different ways. It's, it's channeled in dorky dancing that nobody can see, which is good. Slash vampire. Good evening. So I have some exciting news. I want to hear it. Ben got his cast off on Friday. Oh, good boy. How is his, how is his elbow? Is it all good? Is it all good? Yeah. I mean, they couldn't see a fracture to begin with. So it was just inflammation and they only put a cast on to basically keep the <laughs> elbow immobile because while he came in in the sling, he was like waving his arm around like crazy, not like actually in the sling. You know what I mean? Like, and so the doctor was like, I think we should just cast that to make sure that, like, if there's a fracture in the joint, because he was acting like there was a fracture in the way that they moved his arm, that it would be stable. And so it was only three weeks. And I just want to state for the record, because we kind of went into this, like, a little bit unhealthy space last week, and we were talking about why that's totally normal, but I just want to state for the record that I have three really rough and tumble crazy boys. I mean, they, I'm pretty sure, actually try to kill each other on a daily basis. (laughs) And They are the exact right age. Yep. And they, this is the first anything with their bones, and it was like a non-visible fracture. And the doctor told me when he looked at the x-rays that he had healthy bones. Because I specifically was like, can you please tell me 
just making sure like everything's fine in there. And he goes, oh no, his bones look really great and strong. No, no worries at all there. And so for those parents who are constantly like, where is my kid going to get their calcium? And aren't their bones going to fall apart? I'm just going to tell you right now, I've had three boys and this is technically not even a broken bone. It was like inflammation in the elbow and his bones look really good. And I'm super proud of that. I'm, I'm just, I'm jazz hands over here, like mom of the year award with my son getting his cast taken off and his bones looking great. You managed in some stroke of segue genius to share your personal triumph as a mother and yet be relevant to what we're going to talk about today. I, you know, sometimes I have these moments. <laughs> I, I, I believe this is your major talent in life. <laughs> this, this one thing. This, no, I mean, clearly you've got more than one talent, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's, I don't just call it segue genius. I think, I think we should just call it segue genius from now on. Um, I have, I have, no such tales of of awesome um it was for me it was a, a week spent uh doing mostly sort of catch up i cleaned my desk i mean that was like three hours you must have had a huge pile of mail to come back to so i'm i'm assuming that was quite an endeavor yeah it was a pile of mail and it, it there was some things that had been piling up already so it was uh it was it was pretty intense um, so I've got a clean desk. I'm sure it'll last about four days and <laughs> then we'll see what happens after that. But, um, yes, I have, I have no such tales of triumph to share. Um, but so, and his, his arm seems fine now. Yeah. He's, um, the boys were making fun of, um, it calling it the little arm because I guess normally if you get a cast and you have it for a long time, like there's some atrophy, like six weeks or longer is normal. But um, Finn used that arm like it wasn't in a cast the, the whole three weeks that he had it. So it, it's not actually like an atrophied arm. But the, the uh, I think... He's still being called the boy with the little arm. Yeah, little yes. arm. Um, mostly just because it's a thing that we can make fun of someone for. And that's what you do when you're um, one of three brothers. Guess so. That is so... Not the dynamic in my house. That's all girls. <laughs> um, my mine is like when when kid says you know something silly like rhymes their name or something, and then the other one just balls her eyes out and runs to mom. Hey, they teased me. <sighs> okay, yeah, it's a different. I'm just saying, emotionally different space. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think we need to go into the differences between boys and girls. I'll just say, yep, very different. <laughs> chances chances are good that um, most of our listeners are familiar. So probably we probably don't need to make this show about that. Let's make this show, though, about kids because we have this epic question. Um, and I uh, – there was just so many different th- – different, there's so many different aspects to it. So um, why don't we jump right in? Let's do it. So this question is from Lexi. And Lexi says, hi, Sarah and Stacy. I love your show. I so appreciate uh, your focus on nutrient density and the science behind paleo. The we way like you, both- you too, Lexi. <laughs> right? So as we've mentioned,
mentioned before, complimenting us out of the gate with a question is like surefire way to get on the show. Uh, so that was Lexi's whole strategy here. Uh, the way you both focus on your health rather than the scale is helping me to keep an eye on the true prize of health instead of smaller genes. I've been listening to your whole catalog of episodes to help get myself back on the paleo wagon. My husband and I were mostly paleo, 80-20, before I was pregnant, and I've never felt better. Pregnancy and new motherhood derailed me quite a bit, but I am trying to get myself back on track, especially for my little one. I exclusively breastfed my daughter, introducing solids at six months through baby-led weaning. I didn't put a lot of emphasis on solids for the first few months because I know food before one is just for fun. My I daughter love that. now it's in quotation marks by the I, way, and I'm like, I hope that that is like catching on out there because it, that rhymes, wasn't, so it, it wasn't a slogan when my kids were that age, but it should have been. Um, yeah. So Sorry clearly. to interrupt for the second that's, time. I just, I'm just saying, yeah, you did interrupt, but that's fine. Uh, Lexi doesn't mind at all. Um, but it rhymes, so it'll catch on. Rhymy things always catch on. Um, I'm now have my head full of rhymy things that really should not catch on. All right. I'm going to keep reading Lexi's question. My daughter now takes straw cups of whole grass-fed, low-temp pasteurized milk to daycare. Some days she has 16 ounces and others four. I let her moderate her needs with that now and nurses in the morning. She just self-weaned from the bedtime nursing session. My girl generally has a good appetite and eats certain foods really well, sweet potatoes, squash, mushrooms, scrambled eggs, grass-fed yogurt, olives, and pretty much all fruit. She will also eat spinach in eggs, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Dr. Prager's spinach bites. I'm not familiar with those. Yeah, I've seen them at Whole Foods, um, but I, I know they're, like, gluten-free. I think they come in different shapes. They're kind of like tater tots, but not. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, which I don't love giving her, but they're gluten-free and don't mask the veggie flavor at all. Our issue is meat. I have such a hard time getting her to eat it in any form. She will sometimes have a few bites of applicate deli ham and maybe a bite or two of grass-fed hot dog, but that's it. I used to tolerate uh, – she used to tolerate braised meats better, but that seems to be ending too. I've tried pulled pork, braised beef, homemade meatballs, all manner of deli meat, meat sauce with mushrooms, chili. At best, she will take a bite or two and then suddenly act like it's poison. I'm pretty convinced it must be an issue with the texture. I think she often likes the flavor, but then is put off by uh, the feeling of the meat in her mouth. The one that she will try, um, the, the one that she will try hard at is bacon. That's my girl. Unfortunately, that is usually too difficult for her to eat with her six teeth, but I still let her suck on it a bit when we have it. I'm so worried about her getting enough nutrients, and I'm also having the hardest time packing her lunch for school. I end up. Res- resorting to sun butter sandwiches and other wheat-based things more than I'd like, just because I'm at a loss and don't want her to go hungry. I try. I plan to try chicken liver mousse soon. I'm hoping that the smooth texture will appeal to her more. Any other ideas for foods to try and how to get her to accept the texture of meat? Well, first of all, kudos to Lexi because it sounds like she's trying a variety of different foods and offering them often and repetitively, which is one of the best things um, when trying to get children to try new things is just to continue to expose them to different things. And 
I think we've often gotten questions from parents who find one or two things that work. For example, the hot dogs and the bacon, and then they just stick to those two things. And then a year or two later, they're like, well, we kind of got to get our kid to eat a little bit more than just hot dogs and bacon. And then getting them to branch out is a whole lot more difficult. I would say it's very common. I I don't believe Lexi said how old her daughter actually was. I'm going to assume that she's... A little over... Um, I mean, she's at least one. Um, she only has 16th, though. So, yeah. so I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing around one years old, but I, I couldn't actually decipher from reading everything. Um, if that's the case, and especially because she's still nursing, protein wouldn't be my biggest concern. And... I do think that it's probably texture issue. Um, we've actually talked about this a little bit on the blog before, but um, for babies that are doing baby-led weaning, um, the muscle control in the mouth, um, the, the jawline, is not as strong as our jaws are because they haven't developed those muscles. All they've ever used before, um, especially if it's a nursling who hasn't, you know, been given solids at six months um, continually or something like that is the uh, the group of muscles that's used for sucking, which is different than the, the group of muscles that's used for chewing. And so it makes a lot of sense to me that she would have liked braised meats because the texture of those is very soft and um, it's like pre-digested is the word we can use to help kind of um, already break that down for them to eat it easier. Um some children are getting their protein through blended meats, whether that's, you know, um, something you buy in the store or something that you do yourself. I know for me, um, we food processed for maybe a month at the most, and we took the food that was on the table and we just kind of either blended it or food processed it a little bit so that it was softer and got the children adapted that way. Actually, I'll admit we never did that with Wesley. We were too lazy and just let him eat off the table himself what he wanted to eat when he wanted to eat it. But um, for for Cole, I know we, we did that, only, but only for a few weeks. And then after that, you know, he mostly ate vegetables um, that appealed to him. I, I remember uh, lima beans were very popular, bananas, avocado, things that were kind of mushy. Um, and it was as he got older and his jaw became stronger that he was branching out. It sounds to me like the foods that she's eating would be soft when um, presented. So sweet potatoes, um, if it's cooked squash, mushrooms, scrambled eggs, yogurt, and olives are all kind of mushy natural foods. So it might just be the case that she needs a little... Um, uh, bridge food to help her and maybe you pulverize food at the table um, for like a week or two period and see if it's um, actually flavor or if it's actually texture that she's rejecting. Um, I would say that for me personally, it's not something I would be super stressed out about. I think if you continue to offer these foods and she gives them a try, then that would be be within the realm of what I would define as normal um, if she is a year old. I think if, she, if you're talking about, you know, two or older, then Sarah, I'm sure you can offer some insight as to um, sensory processing and things like that that might actually be um, affecting 
uh, her choices. But to me, it sounds like kind of classic uh, jaw muscle texture normalcy that we she hear does, a lot. She does only have six teeth. So yeah. like around one is, is typically when kids are getting their uh, first year molars. So that's um, up to 12 teeth. So it means that she's a little bit slow on teeth, which is totally normal and fine and is not going to affect her in any way. But it does make it harder to chew. Like she's really gumming these types of foods. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about sensory processing. I don't think that's at all what's going on with Lexi's daughter, but I think it's a little bit relevant um, to this discussion on uh, meat-averse kids. But I think first, you know, I think that there are, like, I think pureeing some some meat um, you can get these little like hand crank um, baby food grinders and you can just take whatever you're making for yourself and just you, you really just like it's it's a really simple thing. And you just kind of crank this little grinder and then it's you pull out the crank and then it's a bowl and it's like an amazing little thing. Um, and something like that, I think, is a great transition but also things like i remember that things like liver are really really soft oh, so I totally forgot to, that was cole's um first meat actually before we were even paleo he loved liver yeah so i think that um maybe trying some of these meats that are really inherently very very soft and inherently kind of fall apart in, in your mouth um might be a really good um trick and then also she is eating eggs so she is getting like she'll eat scrambled eggs so she and the getting, milk and the yogurt, like yeah. those all are, you know, proteins. All good sources of protein. I mean, clearly they're not as nutrient dense as meat, but I think that, um, I, I think that we're probably in the range of, you know, th- those one or two bites before she suddenly acts like it's poison, um, you know, are really important. And I think it's really important to keep offering and also um, really... Uh, relax as a parent because babies will pick up on your stress. So if you're if you're getting really anxious that they're not eating, they will get really anxious and they won't understand what you're anxious about. They'll just realize that you're stressed and they should be stressed too. I mean, it's it's a very that mirroring of emotion is um, a very important developmental milestone, and um, it unfortunately can mean that if you're stressed about food, then baby can be stressed about food, and that makes things a lot harder. Um, we did have the issue with my oldest that she had very mild sensory processing disorder. Um, but one of, she was very, um, uh, tactile averse. So she was a a tactile avoider. So she, for example, um, couldn't stand tags on her clothes. She didn't like wearing shoes that were the right size. Um, she, so she was very, she had some other aversions as well, but, um, but, tactile was was definitely the worst and one of the things that happened was she was very averse to uh different textures different temperatures and strong flavors in her mouth and so she was at one year old borderline failure to thrive and we were uh quite adamantly told by our pediatrician that we had to put weight on her and otherwise if we labeled her as failure to thrive it would open up a cascade of events that were not uh, something we wanted to go through and it was the this was bef- quite uh quite a few years before we were paleo the um pediatrician's advice was to give her instant pudding made with heavy cream after every meal and uh we did and she liked it and it did you know it it got her from the 5th percentile for weight up to the 10th percentile for weight in a month uh when she was 75th percentile for height and she'd been born um at at uh, 50th and 50th and so um 
so she uh so it worked but it ended up becoming this like her entire toddler years you know she uh and it was it's a sort of a typical thing that goes with with spd is that she um was really bad at understanding her own body cues so she didn't know when she was hungry she didn't know when she was thirsty she didn't know when she was tired she didn't know when she had to go to the bathroom um and so and she would have these complete massive meltdowns when she was hungry or thirsty or had to go to the bathroom or tired and not be able to understand them so it became very much a you know feeding her on a schedule and putting her to bed i mean she we became very scheduled parents because of that and um and one of the things that happened is because we knew we just had to get calories into her um, so that she – because she was sort of chronically borderline underweight, uh, we ended up really catering to the six or seven foods that she would eat well. And um, they were, uh, you know, not even – I mean, not not only were they not paleo, but they were things like junky cheddar cheese on club crackers, right? So like – they weren't even good quality or organic or anything. And so when we went paleo, um, one of the things that we discovered was that she was having stomach aches all the time from gluten. And so glowing gluten-free, she started sleeping through the night for the first time in over five years. And um, and she was able to, at that point, communicate that she, her tummy didn't hurt anymore. And she didn't know that she could have a not hurting tummy. So that was a huge part of all of this. But then um, most of the foods that she ate either had gluten or dairy in them. And we, we did like a slow six-month transition. We um, bought, you know, like gluten-free rice checks and gluten-free waffles from Trader Joe's until we discovered paleo parents, gluten-free or paleo waffles in Eat Like a Dinosaur. And that completely changed our waffle situation in the house. Um, but she um, – we realized really quickly that she had – she lacked jaw strength and also all of the mouth coordination for, for chewing anything. So everything she ate was soft and unitexture and room temperature and bland. And so as I started trying to get her to eat more veg, steamed vegetables weren't that hard. She would eat scrambled eggs. I could get her to get some of these paleo foods into her, but meat was the biggest struggle. And as I was at a time, too, where, she, I mean, she was diagnosed quite late, so we were just getting her diagnosed at this time um, and trying – we were doing some occupational therapy to try to deal with some of the other um, sensory issues that were holding her back. But, and we wanted to get this sort of figured out before she started school. And um, one of the things that I, I started delving into the research more and realized that nutrient deficiencies were not helping us and that one of the things that she really needed was – was protein and she just was not getting enough. And so we started realizing that she was scared to swallow. So we got her, you know, we'd have this like three pieces of meat rule at dinner time. And then it be once three pieces became easy, it became four and then six and it gradually increased. But when we first started this journey, she would sit and chew the meat for 20 minutes. And this was a kid with all of her teeth, right? Like this is, you know, she was um, five at the time. So this is a very different situation from Lexi's daughter. But um, she would sit and chew for 20 minutes and not know how to work the food to the back of her mouth to swallow it. And um, we ended up um, making some progress with occupational therapy. With her, with my daughter, a lot of it had to do with just 
talking her through it. She's a very intellectual kid and um, just talking her through the situation and, and giving her the reassurance that, you know, we're right there. If she does choke, I know what to do. Like there was a lot of um, just really trying to make her feel comfortable in taking that risk. And then it became practice. And so it became just a, you know, every day, those three, four, five, six bites of meat, you know, gradually up to an ounce of meat, two ounces of meat. You know, now she, I think, routinely eats three to four ounces of meat at a meal. Um, if not more, if she really likes it, it might be six ounces. Um, but as a nine-year-old, you know, years later, but it was a very gradual um, process, probably over a year and a half to two years of really gradually increasing how much meat she was eating. Um, and, um, and, and then the different, the variety of vegetables, the variety of fruit, the variety of other foods in her diet. And it, it just became a, a really just practice and building up that muscle strength and building up that coordination. But it made such a phenomenal difference to her other symptoms as soon as she was routinely eating meat. It was, it was really like night and day. Um, and she was actually able to you know graduate from occupational therapy and able to go to school without me ever telling her teachers that she'd had an SPD diagnosis. So that was like... A really amazing thing, um, but I think it's really important for anybody who's who's got an older kid. You know, it's important to understand that food aversions. There are a couple of development, developmental phases where kids become pick your eaters, and that's developmentally normal. And the strategy is to, you know, one bite, keep presenting, and just be patient, not get worked up about it. Um, but if you're dealing with a kid who is really having issues. Um, with consuming, you know, especially a, a food group like meat, you know, and and having these really strong aversions, and it it's not going away in a couple of months as a part of a developmental phase. That I I think mostly I want people to understand that there's a discussion you can have with your pediatrician. There are um, you know occupational therapists that can work with kids, and it, they don't necessarily require a diagnosis of something like SPD in order to. Um, in order to benefit from that. Um, but there are, you know, there are experts out there that can help with strategies to overcome that. So I think, you know, for us, one of the things that really worked was softer meats, you know, um, hamburger patties. I mean, still one of my nine-year-old's favorite is anything made with ground beef. Um, and so softer meats were, um, were a big win. Um, and so we did a lot of catering and we did a lot of like, okay, once I found one thing that she really liked, you know, I would make that relatively frequently. And if I knew that we were having something that she really strongly disliked, I would make it on a day that there was leftovers of something that she liked. And I actually really continue to do that now. I mean, there are certain flavors, especially, you know, strong curries, um, very, uh, you know, very strong Asian flavor dishes that my husband and I love and both of my kids really, really don't enjoy. And they always have to try it. But then I, I've taken to just, I make those on nights where I know there's something else in the fridge. And um, I just assume that my kids will not, uh, eventually, eventually they'll be more adventurous and they'll, they'll think that bland food is boring. Um, but they still, you know, I, I think that it's pretty normal for, for kids to, um, to enjoy bland food to, and to enjoy familiar food. And I think, you know, from there, it's just walking that balance of making sure that there's enough bland familiar food so that they're getting the nutrition they need, but there's also exposure 
to broaden their their palettes and broaden their their horizons. And I think that finding that balance always becomes an individual. You know, it's it's very dependent on not just the child and the parent, but the relationship between the child and parent. And I think that anybody, you know, it's one of those things that you don't really understand. I think until you're a parent, until you have an issue with a child, until you have some kind of parenting challenge with a child, you don't understand how unique every parenting challenge is and how useless parenting advice from, uh, from fellow parents can be. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, it's just, I'm just trying to share my story and basically say that, you know, if this is something that persists uh, in Lex's case or in any other listeners who have picky eaters, um, that it's, you know, there, there are professionals out there who can help and can still help within a paleo framework. Like we were paleo by the time we were doing occupational therapy and um, it, it wasn't a non-starter. So um, I think that's, that's my huge take home on that one. I got nothing more to add. Nothing? Um, what were your kids' favorite favorite first foods? Um, so they each were a little bit different. Um, but in general, liver was the first protein that we presented to them all. Um, they did do yogurt. Because... Which is amazing, too, because how old was Cole when you went paleo? Like six, He was in kindergarten. Uh, yeah. 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 So I just want to say, ooh. Yes, but I was totally ingrained in, like, the natural alternative Crunchy Mama community already and knew it to be a nutrient-dense food. Um, We also gave Cole, like, um, lentils and tofu because when they were cooked, they were a texture. (laughs) Like, I'm like, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Um, But... Yeah, so liver was their first protein. Avocado um, was well, avocado and banana. I would put in these mesh baggies, and they would keep the kids entertained before they ate any other foods. They ate those for weeks uh, because we we did uh, solid food really slowly, just to put it out there for sake of no- like normalcy. Cole didn't actually eat solids at all until he was eight and a half months old. Like we tried to, we offered him solids and he was not interested because we did baby led weaning. Like he pushed the food out of his mouth and we wouldn't try again for a few more days, maybe a week. And then it wasn't until he was eight and a half weeks old that he actually had an interest in food. Um, and even then he did bananas and avocados exclusively for a couple of weeks each. So he was well into his ninth month before he actually got food, which is why when I hear that an almost one-year-old's, you know, trying all those foods and all that kind of stuff, like to me, it's just, especially if that child's still nursing, it's having been in um, the nursing mom community as a little HA leak, um avid supporter for a really long time. It seems normal to me, but, um, I'm trying to think, I know lima beans was another one that they really liked, um, because they could, um, pick it up. I'm trying to think of what, like a paleo. So Wesley was our paleo baby. Let me think what he ate. Um, black olives. We cut them in half. They were mushy. He really liked those. Um, Fatty foods. They're just drawn to fatty foods. Avocado. Yeah. How about yours? Um, so with 
My oldest, we did, um, you know, the rice cereal mixed with breast milk. Um, it was long before paleo. And then we moved to, you know, mushed up vegetables. She was reaching for my food. Uh, both kids actually were reaching for my food very, very young. Um, and so even though we did purees actually with uh, more with my older daughter, we did them less with my, my, my second daughter. Um, it was, uh, still very, I mean, she was grabbing the spoon and shoving the spoon into her mouth. So there was, there was a very, very strong interest. She was, um, both of them were about five and a half months, six, close to six months when we started solids. Um, and I would do, um, bits of fruit in those mesh baggies. They loved that. Um, my oldest, um, she loved the like root vegetables, like sweet potato and squash. That was her, that was her jam. My youngest, I had, um, even though it was still also pre pre paleo, I had decided in between the two kids that, um, rice cereal was terrible and I should never use it. And so her first food was, uh, avocado and then, um, banana, I think afterwards. And then I think egg yolk and then, uh, yogurt, I think was how it went. And she moved on. I, they both moved on to finger foods really quickly. They both really liked, uh, little bits of vegetables. They both really liked peas. They won't eat them now. Um, but they both really liked peas. Um, my kids loved this is actually oh this is a good one for for Lexi. My kids loved pre-chewed meat. So one of the things that I found both of them is they didn't necessarily want their meat ground up into a paste, but they really liked it if it came out of my mouth. And so um both of them as fairly young babies that was the, that was the meat that they were getting was whatever I was eating chewed up for them. Uh, that sounds really, we have no listeners anymore. Everybody's totally disgusted. No, <laughs> nobody's, everyone's like, ew, gross. But I mean, that's what a lot of, I remember, um, I remember reading on Rob Wolf's blog that he did that for his kids. There you go. I'm just like Rob Wolf. Um, <laughs> I mean, and I mean, that was, but that was something that I guess the texture of pre-chewed meat right? It's already been chewed. It's ready to swallow. That was something that they both did really well with. Um, and, um, my, um, I mean, Morgan meats was not on my radar, um, yet. Um, but definitely a rapid, like a large repertoire of vegetables was something I cared a lot about. Um, and then when we did move into meat, it was a lot of, um, more soft textured, stuff. So like meatballs, things that are, you know, it's already ground and then put back together and cooked. Um, uh, and, uh, my youngest really jumped into eating whatever was on the table. That was something she could eat. One of her favorite early foods was sardines. Sardines remained her favorite for a very, very long time. Um, she was always really though, she was quite like, at two years old, her favorite foods were sardines, kale chips, and pomegranate seeds. And if she could eat those three foods at every meal, she was, like, ridiculously happy. Oh, I forgot. Wesley loves sea snacks. Yeah. Yeah, well, she still she still gets uh, sea snacks in her lunch every single day at, at kindergarten. Like, it's – and sometimes she'll ask for it for her snack as well. Um, so that was – 
that was, I mean, she was, um, had just turned two when I had decided that, uh, I wanted everybody to go paleo. And so, um, so she was actually already eating a very nutrient dense paleo ish diet. Um, although funnily enough, she was a milk fiend and, you know, we, it took us about a year, another, well, another six months to realize just how ridiculously sensitive she was to milk and that milk was causing her obstructive sleep apnea, which was a whole other can of worms. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so pre, pre-chewed meat, I mean, that might be, that might be one of the, the textural secrets for Lexi. I, I just thought of that. Yeah, I remember when I read that on Rob's blog that I immediately thought to us, like, grinding up the food that we were eating at our table and how that was pretty much the same thing um, in terms of helping with that texture get along. The only other thing that I've thought of while you were talking was um, that we did a lot of um, meals during that introductory food period that would work well for kids and specifically ground beef was one that worked really well. So, you know, you can make stir fry with, um, like a frozen bag mix of vegetables with those like tiny diced carrots and peas and stuff and just saute them all together. Um, and I remember our kids really liking that a lot. Um, yeah, we, we never did cereal just because I had done some research about the type of iron that was fortified in those cereals. And it was, um, <laughs> for those people who have not yet heard the breastfeeding podcast, I apologize for the breastfeeding knowledge bombs that I'm about to lay down. But the iron that's fortified in the um, cereals is a different type of iron than um mother's breast milk naturally provides and that the research that I had done said that if the child got this fortified type of iron that they wouldn't as readily and easily absorb the iron that is available in mother's milk which was better for them and so having nothing to do with it being a processed rice food cereal I didn't want to mess with um the potency of the nutrients that I was providing by being breastfeeding mom so I just never um did those race cereals for so for what that's worth give yourself a pat on the back all those moms who are avoiding that race cereal <laughs> two twofold benefit there um i never read such such things but i think in between my my first daughter and my second daughter i had i mean i always kind of thought that they seemed very nutritionally void right and i was so i we moved on to vegetables very very quickly with my oldest but with my youngest we never even introduced those cereals um I just, my oldest was at the time, this was still a couple years pre paleo, but it was when my oldest's um, constipation issues had started was with those cereals. And um, I had come to, you know, we later figured out that it was gluten, but um, we, uh, I was sort of um, adamant that I, I wanted to avoid, uh, food that would turn into cement in the digestive tract, which I think I had had one pediatrician tell me like, oh yeah, that stuff just turns into cement. And then I was like, oh, okay. So a little bit more uh, uh, trial by fire, which is my parenting style. It's uh, holy smokes. 
I don't know what I'm doing. I will just make it up as I go. Isn't that we? Isn't that how we all parent? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, even when I'm googling stuff in the internet, it's really just I'm googling stuff on the internet. <laughs> oh, Doctor Google. Ah, uh, so I think we've answered this question from as many angles as we possibly can. I will say I totally echo your sentiment on relaxing. Kids can, you know, sense stress and. Even if your child is over and older and you're having struggles with getting them to try new things or, you know, they might have um, sensory processing or a multitude of things, the more stressed out you get and the more I think you push your child in a certain way with any sort of aggression, I think the more difficult the situation becomes to navigate. And I found, you know, granted, I'm really lucky that I have three um, easygoing kids with food. I would also say that because we're so easygoing with food that that helps the kids be easygoing with food, um, we try to bring a sense of humor and brevity to the dinner table. And there are definitely times where the kids were like, well, I don't want to eat this meal or something like that. And, you know, we've tried to always treat them with respect in the way that we would treat anybody else. And so, you know, we say things like, um, in the context of your children being older, obviously not for a year old, um, say things like, you know, daddy worked really hard to make this meal. It hurts his feelings that you say that you don't like it when you haven't even tried it. Um, or we, you know, just say, okay, if you're not hungry, no problem, but we really like your company. Sit here and tell us about your day. And we find that, you know, by not pressuring and not making a big deal out of it, um, I think I've told the joke before about, you know, as, as the kid is not eating at their table, talking to the other kid about, Hey, did you hear about that pirate that got scurvy? Cause he didn't eat any vegetables. And then, you know, by the time five minutes passes, we look over and the kids are, you know, eating whatever and rolling their eyes at us. <laughs> That's just our parenting approach in general. So I just think that, you know, the more you relax and the more you try to, um, just think about it from the way that you would want to treat anybody else with their own food choices as the best approach. And for me personally, I try to really respect when the kids do try something and they say they don't like it. And that's really big for me is thank you for trying it. If you don't like this, you can have more of whatever else is on the table. Um, And to really respect the fact that they've said that they don't like it. You know, our kids don't like beets and only one of our kids um like squash and so you know we try to just be mindful and not put those foods in meals often because it would just frustrate that child the exact same yeah because i mean how would i feel if matt was putting nightshades in the meal all the time <laughs> i'd be really frustrated too like you know i can't eat that um so but i but the difference would be that you would want to <laughs> yes there's a slight a slight difference there aren't very many foods I don't like, so it's difficult for me to, like, say, I can't, gosh, I mean, I'm just. Yeah, I'm like that, I've too. Got, I've got problems, people. I mean, let's let's face it. We didn't, we didn't get to where we started from on the paleo journey by not liking food. Oh. Uh, yes. I often quote my obesity as my um, cooking credentials. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was a student. I couldn't afford to eat out. 
yet I made myself that big by cooking some amazing meals. Um, yes, I agree with all of those things. Um, so hopefully that helped Lexi and any other parents of, of picky eaters um, out there. And uh, we'll be back next week with some other fun topic. I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're talking about next week. If I, if I did, I would totally tease it, but I actually have no idea. I know what we're talking about next week. We're Do gonna, you? We're going to have a guest on. What? We never have guests on anymore. We're going to do it. It's going to be fun. That's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. You can tell me about it after <laughs> we finish recording. <laughs> <sighs> well, thank you for listening, everyone. We will be back next week, probably with a guest, unless I'm completely miscalculating things. Um, and forward to catching up with you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. I'm back, if you're back. But you're not back. Okay. And then, and then Hooked on a Feeling started going through my head. And I was like... Uga shocking. <laughs> During the kitchen. And I don't Did know, you just, just like, watch Guardians of the Galaxy or is that like legit no, on its own? Was, no, it just popped into my head out of absolutely nowhere. And I was like, Uga shaka, Uga, Uga, Uga shaka. Like all the way from the kitchen back to the office. And it was um, probably good that nobody can see in our back windows. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just, I don't know I don't know where it came from. It just happened. It just happened and it's kind of still going a little bit, so I will try to not break out into song randomly. It's too late. Too late. Uh, that happened already, actually. Hooked on a feeling. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.